Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Being the young wife of a powerful man, you already feel that you need to prove yourself. I always felt like I'm not good enough, so I had to prove myself. It was hard, really, really hard to live in the embassy for me. I realize now how much I was holding in, actually, and trying to be perfect. I'm equally valuable. It's not like my husband is the famous ambassador and I'm the sidekick fool that's supposed to smile and nod all the time. I want to have a mission, too, and a purpose. But I felt like shit when I wasn't working. I felt like I was not worth anything. But no one ever really talks about, like, their failures. Like, a lot of, you know, women that are CEOs in America are divorced. They don't have, or they never had kids. How does that feel? Do they have regrets? And so, yes, you can have it all, but it's extremely hard. No one is more hated on this planet than a really confident woman. I think that's true. Now I feel that nothing can touch me. You know, nothing bothers me. I really, really don't care what people think of me. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. This is actually a Swedish podcast, but since this interview is made with Natalia Brzezinski, who doesn't speak Swedish, we decided to do this in English. And the podcast is made by me, Jennifer Kovacs. In this podcast, I interview Swedish women or women who have a connection to Sweden, like Natalia. We talk about the truth about their life, the life you usually don't see, hear or read in our social medias and magazines. In this episode, as I said, I'm interviewing Natalia Brzezinski. Today, she's married to Mark Brzezinski, the U.S. ambassador to Sweden, which is the person she usually is introduced as. But who is Natalia? Where does she come from and how did she grow up? What is her values? What is she fighting for in life and what drives her? This is just some questions we will have the answer on after this interview. Natalia is very driven by gender equality. She lived here in Sweden for four years and moved back to the States in the fall of 2015. Living here, she discovered parts of the Swedish culture and laws that would be great for the United States to implement, and vice versa, of course. This really drove her to talk about how we could learn from each other, especially when it comes to gender equality. Today, Natalia is having her own podcast, Stand Out, interviewing powerful women and is also having a bunch of other projects going on. Yeah, you will hear them all in the podcast. I don't want to spoil it all. 
Like it usually is when I'm doing a podcast, we start talking a little bit before we start to officially record. And sometimes these conversations are good and gives you a lot of information about the person. Just like in this case. Me and Natalia were talking about her hometown Chicago, where I spent one year as an au pair. So we talked about the city and the different neighborhoods in the beginning, before we officially started. If you like this podcast, I have another episode in English. I'm interviewing Rachel Brayton, also known as Yoga Girl. If you want to hear the episode with her, you can just tap it in into iTunes or search Opodden, O-P-O-D-D-E-N. You can find me on Instagram, also typing in Opodden. Well, now let's enjoy this episode with Natalia Brzezinski. I grew up like in on the south side when I was younger. My parents were immigrants, like really like, I mean, very close to where Michelle Obama grew up, like a very ethnic neighborhood, like very diverse, you know, and then very poor. And then when I got older, I mean, by the time I was in high school, they had done pretty well. They were entrepreneurs. So we went like we moved to the suburbs and I went to a all very white high school, pretty pretty rich kids. Like, I remember they all, my friends were getting BMWs when they turned 16. And it was such a, like... Different. That's like me. Like, my worlds yeah. are always so different. And I, looking back, I loved being in the poor area more. You know, it was more, I mean, people were scrappy and, like, street smart. And, you know, it was such a letdown in a way. It, I mean, it's funny when you think about the American dream and that's how it should be. But... I don't like that period of my life, like high school, it was okay, but people, there was a lot of drugs. People were lazy and like no goals. And I think when you're kind of struggling, you're so driven sometimes too. And that's what I love. Like, that's the kind of people I seek out, I guess, as friends or husband, boyfriend, whatever. <laughs> but where in uh, Chicago did you move then? I, I was Hinsdale. in... Okay, I was in Wilmette. Oh, I know exactly. Yeah, that's a really wealthy area. Yeah, well... I used to ice skate there. Really? Because I was a competitive ice skater. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I know that. <laughs> but, so you had, like, competitions there. Because that was a really big area. There were a lot of ice rinks there. And I think also ice skating is such an expensive sport mm-hmm. that there was like a mix of people. So they call it the North Shore, like Wilmette, oh, Manetka. Yeah. Exactly. All those places. There were a lot of ice skaters. Yeah. And then Evanston, Evanston with the, Nord- with the um, um, Northwestern. Exactly. S- football players. <laughs> yeah. You must have had fun. Yeah. But I was not 21 when I was there. Oh. I was like, damn it. <laughs> How old were you? 20. Oh, I'm like, no. I just missed it. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely need to go back to Chicago. And I'm a little bit jealous of you going back there now. I love it. I mean, what I, Chicago's kind of like a less snobby New York. You know, yeah. And a like lot a clean of, New York. And clean and the restaurant scene because it's so ethnic. Like, you can get also when you have a family, you just see the quality. You can get so much more for your money, like a bigger house. You know the services. That, there's a lot of you know if you have babysitters. I mean, it's just a, a little bit easier. Yeah. I think. Okay. Well, is it on? Well, we are on, oh, but Sandra this is just knows like that I'm, yeah. I'm always cutting. I mean, now we're on, but you can use that. I don't care. Yeah, we're yeah. just like. I mean, it's it's always fun to also. You know, have the talk before Absolutely. you get serious, just normal conversations. Absolutely. It's like you get the pers- the personality of the person more. But let's start now. Now we're getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to my podcast. Thank How you. How does it feel to be in the other chair, not huh. interviewing? I think, you know, I the way my job has become, I talk so much. 
And it's nice to talk to you, actually, because it's not a business sales pitch, but I, I like both. I mean, my 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 husband always says I'm really self-oriented. It's like, <laughs> you come from a generation that promotes themselves, and, you know, the Facebook just I like it. I like to be interviewed. But, no, jokes aside, I, I actually really like to talk about um, the way I grew up. And so you get so many stories, especially when you're in Europe, of, like, the American dream and everything's so perfect and I'm really open. That's why I didn't do that much when I was kind of in the embassy role, but now I feel so free to be honest about things. And so for me, it's kind of, it's a, a liberated time. It's exciting. So I, I love to be in the other side. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad we got Either to way, do this. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, it was just like a day ago. They were like, oh, do you want to interview Natalia? <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, sure. Like being a little bit nervous. Uh, not not meeting you, but like yeah. with the English, you know, it takes time to get into the flow. And Absolutely. Like, so if I'm like stalking myself, you need to be yeah. my lifeline You're here. You're great. <laughs> okay, thanks. Swedes are so good at English. They all complain and they say, but... Everybody's perfect. I mean, I lived in Denmark, and my parents are from Eastern Europe, and now with business, I've been in Germany. I mean, people speak perfect English here. That's why I think it's such a great place, like, for startups and everything, because if you're an American and you come to work here, you really get along pretty easily, and people yeah. want to speak English. Especially when they've been drinking. Oh, yes. <laughs> Then they're like, woohoo. Ah. Then they like it. But you're a very special person when I like <laughs> did this re research of you and I could tell that you're a woman with a big heart and a great personality and you're not afraid of showing who you are and stand up for your thoughts and what you believe in. And I really like this about you because you're showing your personal like features and Thank I you. think this is really good since you're also having like a role model title because you're the ambassador's wife yes so i mean and with this comes a lot of responsibility do you think that absolutely i mean sometimes i i think back to my background again i mean for me growing up i didn't get anything handed to me everything was a struggle and i also had to do everything on my own i mean not that my parents didn't take care of me they did but they They were working, you know. I mean, no one told me to do my homework. No one helped me with my homework. No one helped me get into college. No one. And I, I think actually, like, looking back, even though it was so hard and I felt really lonely sometimes, and sometimes I used to say to my mom, why can't you kind of get me into this job or, like, my friends' moms do? But I am so happy because I'm really independent and I'm, I'm really self-reliant. You know, the whole ambassador's wife thing, like, I think if... I have so many weaknesses, but one thing is I'm not really impressed by people. Not impressed by people, but I don't get intimidated in if I meet someone famous or I guess that's a good part of my, my parents. I mean, they taught me that like titles and celebrity, that doesn't matter. It's your work ethic, your character, like being really hard worker. That was something they really valued and, and pushing yourself all the time. So I love, I actually like get excited to meet someone interesting or powerful because I learn from them. And I think that's helped me with women too, because I I don't even understand this whole concept of women not helping each other or like bringing each other down. Um, maybe it's because, as I said again, my mom was and is the breadwinner. She was the one with a great job and like she works really hard. Um, she takes care of her brothers and my grandmother and like she still gets up at 4 a.m., does all the laundry, works a full day. She's a really demanding job. She runs like 
part of the budget for the whole city of Chicago. So she's so I think I always saw her struggling and like she was always helping friends and things like that. I think that was part of the immigrant thing. And so for me, when I would meet like a beautiful woman or a really smart woman, my first instinct is I want to be her friend. Like I, I want to learn from her. Oh, I want to be close to her. It wasn't I want to bring her down and stab her in the back. So I think if anything um, was a surprise to me, like becoming an ambassador's wife and kind of stepping into really powerful scene in America, because my husband comes from a pretty powerful family. And, you know, I had never really totally experienced that. Um, was this element of, of people wanting to bring you down, like, you know, people wanting to hurt you or get something out of you and not really caring about you as a person, but just what can you do for me? I mean, sometimes like my um, Swedish friends always said, it's so amazing, like you network so well. And Amer it's because Americans are so good at it. But I really think in America, yes, we're good at reaching out and people are more open. But I think in Sweden and in Europe, when you have a friend, it's like a friend for life. Where sometimes in Washington or in New York, you're friends for five minutes while you can help that person. And when it's you kind can of help shallow them, it is. It is. And like, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I hate to say this because I work in tech now, but even the concept of Facebook, like friendship that's quick and easy. And like, you know, my brother, my brother's adopted and he's 18 and he considers himself friends with people that he's never even met yeah. like they're just friends they met on youtube and they kind of chat you know? yeah. <laughs> i mean even i try to be open-minded but even to me that's crazy so yeah i have so many friends on facebook that i'm like okay i wouldn't even know you if i tripped over yeah. you and like at the street so <sighs> i might need to delete you from my <laughs> friends there on facebook but i mean do you feel like you have a lot of eyes on you and people especially when you uh, came into this role that people thought you needed to be in some type of way to fit in in this political oh, world. Yes. Especially because yeah. you, you, uh, you know, spent time with America's president also. Yeah. How have you stayed true to yourself there and not being affected of all those, the mindset people have on how you need to be? It was really hard. It, it was like, I, I mean, now... We were here for three and a half years, and now we're out of this role. And I think it took me that entire time. It was really my last year um, because I think for me it was a longer period. It was that was part of it. But I got married quite young, um, and I kind of, and my husband is older and established, so I really stepped into his life. And like I've always been a strong character, but I think being the young wife of a powerful man, you already feel that you need to prove yourself. Being in Washington where everyone is really powerful and went to Harvard, I always felt like I'm not good enough, so I had to prove myself. And um, I think part of that is just with age and, and you know, you're, you're due in March, becoming a mother. Because there's something that is super powerful about, you know, knowing that you can bring a life into the world. You can take care of that life. You can also work. You can also, like, we're super women, you know. Sorry, but men can't do that. <laughs> I know. You know. We can do 10 things. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm so exhausted. But it kind of feels good. Like, I have a finger in five pots or five balls in the air juggling, and I can still do it. Not every day, but, I mean, so part of that evolution was with motherhood. And I think I'm the kind of person, though, it was hard, really, really hard um, to live in the embassy for me because 
I am really open and I think I would say things or do things or like if someone asked me, are you having a bad, how are you today? I'd be like, I'm bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then people would think into that or like, she exercises a lot. Does she have a problem? Or, you know, it was always, you know, I wasn't used to that level of attention, even though, you know, I've had some before. And I think that made me self-conscious, but it's the kind of thing when you fall really low to the ground, it's like, then... I learned to pick myself up. Now I feel that nothing can touch me. You know, nothing bothers me. I really, really don't care what people think of me. Honestly. How did you get get there? I think that kind of struck that. But I, I would say just generally learning. It was I probably stepped into like sometimes I my friends in the USA, you have like the life of a 55 year old woman in some ways in terms of the level of professional things and like the kinds of people I was interacting with. So I think I did like grow up fast, as they say, and, and do things really quickly. But I always had great mentors, both in America, like in my family, and then I think finding the female friends in Sweden. My friends, I mean, including Sandra, who's both of our producers and, and so many women in Stockholm, they really supported me um, and men. But I really, I think having that base and Having, you know, my husband is almost 20 years older, so his sister, who's a TV host, and, you know, a lot of his family who have big jobs, they were older, and they introduced me to a kind of a scene of women like Ariana Huffington and other people, thanks to my sister-in-law. And so I also had this perspective of knowing these women who really shared the way with me. I mean, they really said, I remember when I was moving here, and I was 26, and stepping into this really prestigious role, and my sister-in-law, Mika, said to me, like, Okay, get ready. You're going to be the most hated person on both sides of the Atlantic. You know, no one will like you in Sweden. No one will be careful, like, of people that work with you. And at first I thought, like, what is she talking about? My dad said a similar thing. Um, to some extent, she was right, at least for the for the first few years, for the beginning, until I really felt my own power. Um, but I think to some extent, as women, that's true. I read once somewhere was like a tweet by some celebrity like Beyonce or Jennifer Lawrence, one of these women. And and it was like, you know, no one, no one is more hated on this planet than a really confident woman. And I think that's true. Definitely. Um, but at the same time, if you have people, that's kind of why I did my podcast stand out and why you're maybe why you're doing yours is I really think a lot of women, they talk about their successes. Like when you go to a conference or a speech or you read a book, it's like, this is what I did and this is how I got here. But no one ever really talks about like their failures. Like a lot of, you know, women that are CEOs in America are divorced. They don't have or they never had kids or they never. How does that feel? Do they have regrets? And so that's really why I wanted to do a show. And, and because I think, yes, you can have it all, but it's extremely hard. And you will sometimes feel like you're either an inadequate mother or an inadequate wife. You're going to get pressure from all kinds of people, including your parents. Like sometimes my parents will say, you know, they're pretty traditional. Like they called me yesterday. Well, you can't be away from your daughter for too long because that's a, you're being a bad mother. You know, they, it's, it's so much. You have to be so like steel in your spine just to not let anything get to you. And like I say these things to myself, like just focused, you know. You're fine. Know yourself. I mean, it's a constant mantra. Like, but I think eventually, as they say, you fake it until you make it. 
I think I faked it a little bit, and, and now I kind of I'm almost there. I have my low days, <laughs> but I'm glad you're saying that. You know that you're oh. like, oh, I have my low days, or you know, with all these balls up in there, you know, yeah. and like, oh, I can handle it. Not every day, you know, but exactly. I can handle it because that's important to her. Like, okay, not every day. I have shitty days, days too, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's like totally fine. You know, you don't need to be perfect. Exactly, and that word is just like, what is perfect? Yeah. So yeah, you talked about your podcast. That's uh, stand out is the name of it. And I mean, yeah, we both have podcasts here on ACOS, and we interview powerful women. Mm. So our podcast goes like hand in hand. Exactly, we, want... we should do more together. I know, I know. Take it on the road, exactly <laughs> with the baby, <laughs> with the baby. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? It's a girl. Yes. Yeah. Yay. And it's you know because um, it's due on 11th of March. Yeah. But I'm like hoping she comes on 8th because it's like the International the, Women's yeah, Day. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, get out the 8th. And not get the, out the 11th eighth. because that's the Ides of March, I think, when Julius Caesar was killed. Or oh, something. okay, okay. Let's now like, I've gotten you really scared. <laughs> no, March 8th. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be a sign then, you know, for for Absolutely. me doing this job. <laughs> but yeah, we. I mean, we really want to you know, inspire and push women forward and send the message that you can do it. And, you know, during the podcast journey that you have had, what have you, what have these women taught you? I think, at you know, really exactly what you're saying, that it is not easy. And usually you are kind of, fa- not failing, I don't want to use that word, but... um perfection aspects like I remember when I when I interviewed my sister-in-law Mika she was like yeah I'm famous I have a great career but I'm addicted to drugs I mean sleeping pills she hasn't slept normally for a day her marriage has suffered you know I mean I think this is not discouraging women I think more and more we've had to be perfect for so long for centuries and we were judged on our beauty and like you know you can't be too nice but you can't be too strong and you can't be too ambitious and I think just hearing these women's voices tell like the authenticity like a lot of people that I have interviewed in the fashion world which whose podcast will come out soon like in New York you know when I was young um I I dreamed like I love fashion I still kind of work with it in some ways but I had like this I'm going to be like Carrie Bradshaw I I want to be the editor of Vogue and then you meet these women and they're amazing but they don't have you know maybe they're single maybe they never had kids I mean you see that you really just you have to make choices in life and stick with them and um but you can be really happy and i think what's happening in america now and and i think everywhere is you have these younger generation women i think like our age and and lower especially in their 20s and teens they are like super strong feminists. You know, they really say it like it is. They're not scared to be themselves. And I think that's the most exciting thing that I've seen. And so this journey has really taught me a lot. Um, And the most, I think, has been how, again, how powerful female friendship is. I mean, my first season, especially the Swedish guests, and there were a lot of politicians and Margaret Wallström or Annie Love or, you know, Gunilla Hurlitz. These women have all actually been really important to my life. Like, they really empowered me while I was in Sweden. Um, they helped me in different ways. And so I wanted to show that story, too, that, you know, women do and can and should help each other. And I think it, 
you know, my poor husband would kill me for saying this, but I think it's almost <laughs> more important to have, or as important to have really strong female friends as like a really strong marriage. Yeah, definitely. Because there are I, things I that agree. you cannot talk to your husband about. Men are different than women. They don't understand. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not get it. You can say, you know, something about, I can't believe the way my boss treated me, but they won't get it. You're, it's just, you need to vent in that way. And I think I was lacking that for a long time. Because I think I had a child quite early compared to my friends. So I was a mother and, and they were still kind of partying or going out or working a lot. And like, so I've, I've always felt like never at the same stage. And it was a bit lonely. Um, I don't have siblings. As I said, I have a much younger brother that's adopted. So I, I realize now how much I was holding in actually and trying to be perfect. Like I once had this, this aunt of my, my aunt that I really looked up to. She was gorgeous and, I mean, kind of a real character. And I remember being 18 and she said to me, um, she, was, she had been married four times and her last husband was very wealthy and much older than her, but they had an amazing life, like like a storybook. And she said, you know, I was the perfect wife. I never once complained about having a headache. And just, I remember thinking, oh my God, is that what you have to do when you're married? <laughs> Be perfect? And And I think, again, that's what this podcast has showed me. And, and maybe you see that when you sit down with women. I mean, some, there's some kind of magic that happens when we all let go and, and we let go of this obsession to be perfect or to kind of judge ourselves against each other and start working together. It's not that we're against men, but there's something really powerful about sisterhood and womanhood. And it's super strong. I, I mean, I, I interviewed this or the artist Jeff Koons, really famous, and it'll be in the next in season two. And, and I asked him about, you know, gender and art and feminism. And he said, you know, I don't know what happened in America or in history because in our early history, whether it was ancient Egypt or like even Greek mythology, the woman goddess was like the strong one. Like, they were the leaders of yeah. the village. They were the empresses. They were, you know, the, the goddesses of fertility. They brought life. And something happened, you know, in the past 1,000 <laughs> years. But I say it's changing now. Yeah, I hope so. Definitely. And like you said, with the younger generation, they're definitely, you know, not afraid of saying what they feel or want. They're just like going out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. <laughs> As you say, you have a special background. Your mom was an immigrant from Poland, yes. escaping from the communism there. Yes. So you have both the European and American side exactly. in you. What do you believe is the most important to bring out from these two different worlds? What has your Polish side taught you and what has the yeah. American way of oh, living God. life taught you? The Polish crazy side. <laughs> um, crazy is not always bad. No, no, no. <laughs> it's great. And it took me a long time to realize that, actually, because I think... Um, I think it's hard to be, even though Europeans always think America is so diverse, in many ways it's also actually like very conventional. You're supposed, depending on what area you live in, you're supposed to look a certain way and speak a certain way. And, and people don't really, I think Europeans are a little bit more like walk down the streets of Stockholm. No woman, woman looks the same or dresses the same. It's don't really you think? artistic. Well, in black. Black, 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 black yeah. <laughs> But really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but artistic. Yeah. Artistic. They're really like showing their personality. Absolutely. And I, I think that the European side of me and especially the immigrant side is just an endless drive. Like very, I think 
not just Eastern, Eastern Europeans are very hard workers and they've suffered a lot. I mean, they've been at war and occupied for a hundred years now constantly. So it's, it's kind of a traumatized people actually, but really, really determined and hardworking and never taking no for an answer. And that's very much my mother. <laughs> She's <laughs> super strong. Um, and I think the American side is really a lot of dreamers, which is also a great thing. And I think combining dreaming big and even when we, we were really poor, it never dawned on me that I was because my, especially my father actually, which I think is really important when you have a daughter, he always told me, you know, you may not, we may not have all this money or a great network or, but you can be the president. You can be a CEO. You know, I wasn't, um, compared to a brother or something since I was an only child. And hearing that from my father and then having a mother that was always at work and always were, and it didn't affect me, actually. I was kind of proud of it. Like, so I grew up with this image that, you know, women are just as, if not more powerful, actually, than men. And they they make all the rules in the house and they make the decisions with money. I think that was fantastic. But I mean, it's something that I've actually thought a lot about as I'm, I'm now working kind of in, in entrepreneurship and tech and on this initiative, um, Brilliant Minds, which is showing Stockholm as like a leader in innovation. A lot of the new generation immigrants in America and in Sweden are the ones that are founding the really hot startups. It's not the people that went to the best schools or Harvard or Handels. It's people that never give up. They are so hardworking, that drive. And I, you know, I used to think that was almost a curse because for me, my parents, it was never good enough. If I got an A, I should have had an A+. Plus. If I if I got second place in a skating competition, why didn't I get first place? Oh, you know, they, say, they, they said that. Oh, yeah. They were really, really, really How tough on me. How did you handle that? It was very... I mean, it was, again, one of these things, it was, it was extremely hard. I mean, I remember, like, crying, being really paranoid all the time, not being able to sleep. Um, but I guess it translates to being, like, not, I don't want to use the word perfectionist, but I always think I can do more. And that might be a little bit of a destructive thing, but I've tried to translate it into it. I always think I can do more for others. Like if I help someone, I think I can help 10 people or I want to do more and more. And so I think you can channel things into positive ways. And as I get older, I mean, I'm 31 now. I think that I understand that. And you accept parts of yourself, like maybe that were not good when you were younger, that you didn't know how to deal with, that really stressed you out. And, and because you can't change that much, but you can make it into a positive yeah, that makes drive. sense. Yeah, yeah. As, as you 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 said, like your mom was was like, okay, why did you come second yes. place and all that? And I was listening to a podcast with Bea Oaklund. Yes, and she also have a Polish mother. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, and you guys were talking about you know my mom always said like you make it or you not coming home exactly, and that's you know a whole opposite way than you know the kids in US get raised because they're like okay you matter you're good enough like you're you know you're special and you like everyone should respect you how do you see that two sides of of raising and like how do you raise your daughter with that like having the Polish side of like you know be number one but I mean America is also be number one mm. but it's like a smoother way yes. of being number one <laughs> And the dreaming you talked about—it's hard, actually, because I I question it myself. I mean, I 
I really struggle because, I mean, my parents, they did not even worry to call me, like, stupid. You know, they would do that when I was a kid. So I have this side of me that I can never say that to my daughter. She's the great. You're perfect. You're so smart. But it's really important. I have this conversation with a lot of friends that um, are either, you know, comfortable or established or have done well financially or, you know, have a position of power in in society, you know, how do you give your kids the element of struggle without making them struggle? And that's the paradox. And, And I actually have a really hard time. My daughter is six. And I think with a girl, it's even more important sometimes to be, you know, not saying you're the best, but give her a lot of confidence because I think for some reason I see little boys and I see little, and it starts already at age five or six. The boys just throw themselves into things. They take the girls are, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I can't. It's too hard. You know, you start hearing that for the first time and it's, it's really surprising actually. But I think we both have this phenomenon. In Sweden, you call them curling parents. Yeah. In America, we call them helicopter parents. Like, you know, the generation that we want to help them with everything. You know, the team is the most important thing. And there's a lot of discussion about that. And I think for me, what what I want to kind of inculcate the most in my daughter Aurora is actually creativity. I think hardworking, like being honest, but I think the time we're heading into now, you, you're going to have to be entrepreneurial and creative. And like, of anything my parents gave me, I think that they always, you know, my mom used to say, if you don't like the house you were built, given, build your own, build it yourself, build your destiny. I think that's super important now. Um, and I'm working on it. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah, Very I, I soon. will see. But yeah, I grew up here in Sweden and my parents are from Hungary. Both my oh, mom wow. and dad. Yeah. That's what I thought your last name. <laughs> I was like, is she Swedish or is that her? <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. So wow. Yeah, and they also left because of the communism yes. there and, all, and that. And, you know, I have a lot of pressure on me to succeed in mm. whatever I do. And I've been thinking of that, that. Do you believe that it's like typical for immigrant kids to have a lot of responsibility for their family's success? Because you see how your mom and dad struggled so much for you. And you're like, okay, that's not for nothing. I'm going to show you that, you know, while you struggle, I'm going to like give to my family and succeed. Absolutely. That's why I said it's it's not even if you're Hungarian or Polish or from India or Zimbabwe. I see that trend and I have a lot of friends now and, and different kind of areas that are really successful, actually. And same with Bia Okerlund. We laughed. The minute she said Polish mother, we got it. Yeah. Because my my parents used to say to me, you better be the best because we came all the way across, you know, the Atlantic. We struggled for you. And all of my immigrant friends, like in Chicago, they had that. Um, but many of them became very successful, although we're all traumatized. You know? <laughs> so I don't know what's the answer. Therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do that for sure. <laughs> no, I think that it is like a universal immigrant thing, but I don't know if it's that bad. I mean, I think there has to be a balance. I mean, sometimes I think my parents pushed me way too hard and I did suffer from it in some ways. You know, I think like I was depressed sometimes when I was younger. There were different things, um, but... At the same time, I think I could handle anything. I mean, there's not many things. Because we had a hard life, I had already been through so much by the time I was 18. You know, my dad was always losing his job. I was helping him write his resume when I was eight. 
you know, they were, they were actually dependent. I mean, I don't know if you felt this, um, but I always felt sometimes like the adult too, because they didn't understand America. So I was like the bridge, you know, I would say, this is not how you do things, mom, or this is not how you communicate at work. You should speak this way. Americans don't do this. And so it's a funny relationship sometimes you have. And I, and a lot of my immigrant, like first, because I was born in the U.S., so I'm first generation. I hear that a lot. Um, but I, again, I don't know if it's a bad thing. No, I don't think so. Um, and I actually like really, <laughs> I, that side of me will say like, my daughter is so spoiled, you know? <laughs> I mean, she grew up in an embassy where, you know, she dropped a piece of clothing on the ground and someone picked it up for her. You know, she has so many things that were done for her and, and she feels, I think, but the good thing is she feels secure. I mean, I think sometimes I felt an insecure. I never knew what would happen next. Then, you know, then you really have to work on that as an adult, like to get over that feeling yeah. because it's a, it's a lot of anxiety. I mean, I think immigrant parents are very anxious and a lot of them have lived really hard lives. And my mom, my mom and I had a really, really bad relationship for a long time. And if you would have asked me when I was 21 or 18, uh, what will it, what will my relationship with my parents be like? I would say I probably won't talk to them much. Um, and if I get married, because I was like, I'm not going to get married. If I do, we're not going to be that close. You know, I'll do my own thing. It could not have been more the opposite. I mean, my mom is with my daughter right now. We're really close. My dad is retiring to live with us to help me so I can work. Um, How did wants... you get past that then? Because I recognize therapy. this. <laughs> yeah, a lot of therapy. Um, but I realized I was really angry. You know, I was once I let go of that, and I did, I go, I went to therapy. We went when I was younger. And I think also when my parents adopted my brother, and he's adopted from Poland. And I remember when he first came, he was six, so he's older already. And I was 19. I was out of the house. I mean, I was at university. And when they told me they were adopting, I started to cry. And, I, and then I got really mad. And I said, you know, I lived such a hard life. And like, it was almost like, I had to struggle, but he's going to have an easy life because now they had money and now things were different. And I realized, oh, my God, I'm holding so much in, actually. And I think once I let go of that and once I accepted that my parents are not going to be the, the American parents, they're not going to be I can't go to them for everything. Um, I can't expect them to relate to certain things. But yes, they can also give me a lot. I mean, they're very religious, you know. I mean, very, my dad goes to church every day, very Catholic. But once I, I, I accepted that, it's kind of, I accepted myself. And so now I'm so happy, actually, because in the end, that's all you have. I mean, your parents are the ones that really know you more than a husband or a best friend. Um, and so I'm really happy, actually. <laughs> But it turned around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the relationships are not always easy with, with the family, but they're still the one who's closest to you. Exactly. So you need to value it. Exactly. And do what do what you need to do yeah. to Get over keep it. it strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're driven by gender equality questions and you also want U.S. to learn from Sweden and Sweden to learn from U.S. Uh, What's the most important thing you think Sweden could learn from U.S. and vice versa? Definitely. I mean, there's a reason I called my podcast Stand Out. I think that Swedish women, they have everything that American women are fighting for. I mean, you live in America. There's constantly in the news like maternity leave, daycare, but we don't have anything They have it all here and some, you know, you have sick date, you're paid if your child is sick. I mean, there's just so much security. Um, But I think that being Swedish, you're not supposed to promote yourself or brag or stand out. And being a woman in any country, I mean, that's why Sheryl Sandberg wrote a book called Lean In. You know, women are also, you're not supposed to be too ambitious. You're not supposed to promote yourself. So I think, you know, my sister-in-law has this great saying. She does, she wrote three books kind of on her career And she always says, know your value, like know what your value is, grow your value and communicate it. And that's the exciting thing. I think what, you know, what podcasting is doing, what the Internet did, like we all have a voice now and women are kind of really learning to use it. So I think that can be both for Swedish and American women. It's just use that voice more. Use your platform. If you don't have one, create a platform like you did. You know, you started a podcast. You wanted to do something and be someone and have your own identity. And there's never been a time where women have that, like, even more opportunity than entrepreneurship. You can really create your own life and work and platform. And I think that's super exciting. But what I think... (laughs) Now I'm going to get in trouble again. I don't think it's the women. I think American men could learn from Swedish men. Yeah, what do they need to learn? Oh, my God, everything. I mean, Swedish men are really, not to be kind of over-glorifying, but they are so much farther ahead in terms of helping at home. And that's statistically proven. I mean, I think, like, the World Bank or something does statistics that Swedish men, there's women in every country do more housework, but like the difference is the smallest in Sweden. Yeah. And I see even, I mean, across ages, like even if men in their 50s or 20s, and if it's men in finance or bankers or something, they help at home. Yeah. I remember going to dinners when when we were in, in the embassy as the ambassador and his wife, and we'd go to a friend's house. And it was the first time I actually had seen a powerful man in that kind of position like making the dinner and serving it. 
You know, in America, you would have like people, staff helping you. And I like that. I mean, in Sweden, you're supposed to do it yourself. You know, you do things yourself. You don't get help. And the couple is very equal. And I think Swedish men are also not as... Sometimes I think all men are still pretty intimidated by strong women, but I think Swedish men the least. I mean, I don't know. I see I have a lot of friends that um, they're really powerful women and they make more money than their husbands in Sweden and they, they're more famous than their husbands. And I see that these men are really proud of them, whereas I think in America it's still like the man should be the breadwinner. You know, yeah. you read about these Brooklyn dads, like if you take paternity leave as a dad, you're seen as like a loser. Uh, but it's isn't that like I mean, isn't it's it time for I America hope, to yes. to like I mean, because you you look up to U.S. in so many ways, and then they're so far back, you know, in history with all this stuff that definitely don't make the the gender equality gap smaller. No. I mean, what well, what can what can we do here? Because I mean, need to ship them all to Sweden, yeah. <laughs> or you and I need to go on the road with the podcast or something. But I think it is like information, actually. Um, I mean, I'm always surprised at I I interact with a lot of really smart men and women, like in the business world or government. Many of them don't even realize that there's a country in the world like Sweden where you get so much family leave, and that men actually take paternity leave, and that. They don't really know. Yeah, I know. I had a friend that was here in Sweden that was from America. And she was like, well, who are all these gay dads yes. walking around, you know, with the strollers? I'm gay like, nannies yeah. is the I'm one like, I've heard. Oh, yeah, I'm like, no, like they're dads, like they're <laughs> on maternity, like daddy leave or whatever it's called. Yes. And probably because they always have like slim pants also. Skinny jeans <laughs> yeah. and strollers. I exactly. think that shocks the Americans. And the latte there in yeah. their hands as well. I mean, yeah, we need to get that to U.S. because it's really... I think we're far away though still. But it's really hard since like, you know, I also talked to you about me. I was there in a sort of pair in mm-hmm. Chicago. And, you know, it's it's so... I understand that... You know, as a mother, you don't want to leave your child when it's like, I don't know, six weeks to a daycare. But then the daycare is also expensive. So I understand you're, you know, quit your job because it's also about the money. Exactly. But I mean, where where should you start then? I mean, where can America start there? Well, like, what should you do? Because, I mean, you don't have the rights as a woman in U.S. to get back to work or like you're put outside of the work life. Mm. It's just sad, really sad. And we don't value, I mean, another thing that in addition to daycare and maternity is it's it's okay for a woman to take a year off in Sweden and you're not seen as less marketable or less valuable. But in America, there's statistics, like even when I was moving back, I was so stressed that, you know, even though I was working, I mean, for free, but I was working on a contract in the embassy and I was super active, but I had these fears like, but if an American looks at my resume, they're just going to see that for from 25 to 30, I didn't do anything like resume wise or like traditionally, like I was employed. Oh no, I'm never going to be able to get a job. And that was, I mean, I think we're strong and creative. So women will always come up with something, but 
That is true. And there's statistics that say, I think, like, what, every year you're off and once, you know, if you've been out of the workforce for five years or something, you're like 80% likely to never get in again. And I have friends and, and my sister-in-law, especially if she's she's older, has female friends that like, you know, if I, one I'm thinking of in particular, I mean, she's dying to get back to work. She hasn't worked. Her daughter's eight. And I think after a while, it's not just the workforce. It's you just lose your confidence. Like yeah. when I've, if I ever give advice to women and uh, I say just never totally check out, like you take maternity leave or, you know, it's okay if sometimes you feel you need to prioritize your family, but keep sharp, like have work lunches or read a lot. I mean, because I think it's part of it is also our confidence. Like you lose the ability to do an interview like you and I are, or that's hard to interview someone and to feel natural or to give a speech or to kind of do a job interview. I mean, I think every year you begin to feel, and, and the sad thing is in your relationship too, often those are the years where the man begins to soar. Like you have your first child, you're in your thirties, your wife usually stays home, but the man's career is going up, up, up because those are his highest years. And I think then the relationship becomes really bad. I mean, I think my marriage is so much, at least on my perspective, <laughs> is so much better when I feel that I have I'm equally valuable. It's not like my husband is the famous ambassador and I'm the sidekick fool that's supposed to smile and nod all the time. Um, I want to have a mission, too, and a purpose. And they actually say, even though in America people think that, oh, if you're a working couple, you never see each other. It's so bad. But it's proven that those are, are the couples, like especially when the woman has her own money, that divorce the least and have, like, the best relationships. And I see, I so see that now. Um, it's just about your, I mean, I, I guess it depends what kind of person you are, but I felt like shit when I wasn't working. I felt like I was not worth anything. Um, maybe that's because of the way I was raised as well, that my parents really emphasized, like, you should be accomplishing things and be successful. But the kind of person I am, I have to work. And I was staying home with my daughter a lot, like for the first two or three years. Even when we were here, I was always home. Um, and I was there, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'd be sitting and looking at her across the table and she'd be screaming at six months or nine months. And I was depressed. I I was absolutely had like postpartum depression for sure. And I wasn't even paying attention to her. I was kind of like wishing I was doing something else. And now I work a lot. I travel a lot. Like, I mean, this month I'm I'm away like for a week. And then again in Europe, but when I'm home, I'm so into it. Like I go to, I like joke with her. I play. I was thinking this week, I never played when when she was younger. I wasn't into it. Like even the way my husband was. Like he would come home and he. he I was once even envying him. He was so into playing with her. Like so in the character and in the moment. And I had never felt like that. But now I do. I mean, you become a little bit more valuable. Of It's it's quality, not quantity, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not the amount of time. Um, so I think that it is really important. I hope American women get more right. And we're fighting for them. But it's. I think we're a long time away. Um, if you look at Sweden, it's been equal for like 100 years. I mean, even like the Viking times, you know, <laughs> it's it's been pretty long time of pushing this kind of equality. So I'm hoping like my daughter and your daughter will have that. I hope. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. U.S., it's such a big country and people look up to it like we discussed. But 
I mean, then I also thinking of all these shows, you know, called like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, <laughs> Miami, New York. I mean, you name it. It's like every city they have like their Real Housewives, and we also have you know Swedish Hollywood wives in in yes. like Hollywood here in Sweden. And these shows, you know, they portrait women of being, you know, married to a rich man, and the job of the wife is to, you know, stay fit, stay happy, and the message is almost like, you know, happy wife, happy life, mm. and. I mean, there are young girls looking up to these women and wanting to be like them, you know, pleasing their man. And it's like a modern way of living life the way we did like 200 years yes. ago. And they glamorize the, these things and like the gender roles. And I mean, I'm thinking of this and I wonder, like, do you believe that these shows somehow, you know, slows down the development of the gender equality since the young people, you know, who will build our nation look look up to these shows and like okay I want to I want to be a part of this but it's just like bullshit I know I mean the best thing coming out of that is when you read in the mag like us magazine what really happens oh yeah they're when all you're in line <laughs> they're all like getting divorced all cheating on each other they're all alcoholics and then I'm like god this is what we need to spread <laughs> I hope that actually I mean, when I watch that show, I feel so sorry for them. Or I feel like you're laughing at them because they're such idiots and clowns. I hope people see it that way. But I, I do think reality TV has been, I mean, it really came up like, I think my time, I remember watching The Bachelor and, and it has not been the best for women's issues. And it kind of <laughs> makes me a little bit worried about. But sometimes what, I, I'm going to say that it's too. nice. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need to let go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, but these shows, I'm like, you know, I don't want people to wanting this, this life of being, you know, with someone who supports you, because that's what we talked about. Because mm -hmm. then, you know, yeah, it might be fun for a year. But then, you know, you want to feel like you matter, like you bring something exactly. to this family. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know if if this show is good because you also see all this drama and it's like, okay, you have time for drama in your life because you probably have some issues in yes. you, I think. <laughs> but now Hillary Clinton is up running for a president. Um, what difference do you think we would have in the world by having, you know, women as a top leader for all the countries that now has, you know, the men's that we've seen like through all these years, if they would be women, what do you think would be different in the world? I think actually it would make an enormous difference. And I've seen this a little bit. Um, women are different. We communicate differently. We look at problems differently. I think diversity and having a, a different perspective on things is the key. And I think it would also make people realize, I don't know if you've heard of this term, unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the way even we raise kids. We don't even think about it. We say, you know... Um, you sh of course, you know, if you have a boy and a girl, like, sweetheart, you come help mommy with the cookies. And, you know, the boy, you go out and chop the wood. And as you get older, these little things continue. So, you know, if there's a male CEO, people usually want to choose someone like them. So they'll choose a younger man to mentor. Like, things oh, yeah. like that. that yeah. you, they're not, nobody's doing it on purpose, but it's still there. You assume I talk that to... a woman doesn't want to, a leadership role. Yeah. Or because she doesn't communicate it because we communicate differently. So I think just having a woman bring in a woman's perspective at the top would make a massive difference. and would also force, you know, there's many governments and nations around the world that are kind of 
you know, misogynistic and sexist and, and there are nations where women don't have rights. I mean, those leaders would have to face the fact that the most powerful person in the world is a woman. That would be incredible. And, and I love Hillary. I think she's amazing. I mean, she came to Sweden and she really helped me. I was, we were new and a new ambassadorial couple and, and um, I was quite young and in a traditional role. No one was really giving me, and I had no... I tried to like have a voice and I wasn't getting it basically. And it was pretty hard. And when she came, she gave a speech to the whole embassy. And that's always what happened when a big secretary of state comes, they address. And, and she said, you know, yeah, I know Mark, my husband. He, he worked for my husband, Bill Clinton in the White House. He's going to be a great ambassador. But he goes, you know who will be an even better ambassador? Natalia. And everyone kind of could not believe their ears. But I never, I mean, she doesn't know me. I mean, I had met her before, but she knew what it felt like to be this sidekick, to not be seen. Um, because you're seen but not seen, you know, and definitely not heard. And that made such a difference for me. So she really is she walks the walk on these issues. And so I think she's amazing and I pray that she wins. So if you would you could dream big, like if you would, let's say, lead America. <laughs> what would you change, the first thing you would change? I think I would definitely do these. I mean, I would make maternity. I would do a lot of the family leave and things like that, like Sweden has. I think that you that's just the foundation. Um, and so definitely that. I have to think about it, maternity leave. Day. But I think it's a lot of we need to support the family more. Um, until we do in my country, we will not have any women leaders. We just won't. Not as many as we would need, actually. And I think always things that support entrepreneurship is amazing and like tech and sets the future. I think the schools need to be fixed a bit and making also schools like Harvard and Yale more open. I mean, it's so expensive. So there's a lot of initiatives. I mean, our generation is the one that people say will not have it as well off as any other for the first time. And so I think we need to do a lot of things around young people in America. What would you change in Sweden if you would lead Sweden? Oh, <laughs> I wish that politicians would speak up more and people. I mean, it's like the standout concept, but there's so much going on in Europe. I mean, there's so much with the refugees and immigrants and like people are really scared here to take a stance. If you take a stand, you're racist or you, you're controversial or you don't believe in equality. I would definitely change that. And I mean, I'm going to get really um, technical now, but I think this country is known for entrepreneurship. I mean, Spotify, Klarna. And I think some of the, there are certain kind of things you could do, like there's different rules around the stock options and things like that, um, that would really raise the amount of entrepreneurship. And I think there are some things now going on that in the government that kind of keeps it down. Um, so I think housing, like it's really hard to find an apartment and different things like that. Um, that's very technical, but I would change. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming here. You're such an inspiration, mm. I need to say. So nice listening so to you. you. So thank I love you for what you're doing. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you for what you're doing. We're doing kind of We're together. We're, we're like hand together. in hand exactly. <laughs> for the women. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And now Friday, are you gonna party party? 
I wish. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm probably going to go back to my hotel and It's work. It's too cold. Yeah. And I'm freezing. Yeah, me too. That's the part of my life that has fallen out a bit, I think. <laughs> It's like you always hear this when you're working and you're a mother and you, the party part. I'm like, last night I went out to dinner with my girlfriends and I think at nine o'clock I started to fall asleep. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like my mom. That's what my mom does. We always gonna be like I our moms. I know that. I know.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 